0: Welcome to the podcast, Bringing Truth to Life, where we talk about what the Scriptures say that can help you get unstuck from the thorny issues of life and encourage you to live the life you've been wanting to live with Christ. Our speaker today is Henry Clay. We are in a series called Passing the Baton, and we'll be looking at the basics of one-to-one discipleship and how to get started on a new adventure of helping younger believers grow up in their faith. You'll never be the same. Tonight is passing the baton, and uh, we're on the sixth week. We had a testimony last week. Did you enjoy that? That was nice meeting Nico, wasn't it? And uh, and then the next morning we had him come and share in our men's small group how he would share the gospel with someone, and we recorded that. So that was very nice. A couple of different twists on it, wasn't it, Kevin? And to make it interesting, in the middle of it, the lights cut off. We were in a room with no windows, and all of a sudden, pitch black dark. And I'm thinking, the show must go on. We're recording. I said, just keep going. You know what it's supposed to look like. Let's keep drawing. So anyway, they gave me a hard time for that afterwards. But anyway, well, let me pray, and we'll start. Lord, it's a privilege to live, to be alive, and to live again in Christ and to live forever. And one day we'll rise from the dead. We will actually experience resurrection. What an amazing moment that will be, when deeper than we've ever felt it, we'll realize it was all true. Bless us tonight. And I pray that your spirit would hover over this place, that you would speak to our hearts, and that you would give us strength of heart to believe that you can use us much more than we ever thought you could. In Jesus' name, amen. I brought up a basketball tonight. I was wondering with, um, with that particular uh, item, skill, which is a great skill, but I was wondering if any anybody, basketball fans, Okay, I got a couple. Have you ever, in any game you've ever seen, see that that particular skill, in some way, won the game? No. Uh, when you think of uh, basketball, what would you say are the fundamentals, the most basic skills that you would need to have to, to play basketball? Dribbling, passing, getting the ball to go into the hoop, setting up teamwork. You know, it's not just a one-on-one kind of a thing. All right. And we talked about this. uh, When we started off, we talked about uh, what good is it if you have a basketball team that have the best sneakers or tennis shoes and the the fanciest shirt and logo and the best haircut and the sharpest uh, facial features that just really look good. And they have the most handsome coach who's got just this great personality. And they have all of these plays written out on paper that are just brilliant. But most of the players can't dribble, pass, or shoot. Is there any hope that they could ever win a basketball game? There isn't. Now, in Christianity, also, there's some things that are like twirling the ball on your finger. It may be fancy, but it in no way directly contributes to fulfilling the Great Commission. What, what was it that Jesus told us that we should be doing while he was gone? Make disciples. And there's part, you know, sharing your faith, there are lots of parts of that. But there, can you name anything that we do in the way we currently practice Christianity that maybe doesn't directly contribute to that? I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying it doesn't directly contribute to that. Carpet on the floor, for example. Any other examples? Paint on the wall. Wednesday night dinner. Wednesday night dinner. There are some things that we will do as a church that, since we like doing it, we'll find some reason why it's a good idea and how maybe in some way it could contribute to the Great Commission. And I'm not saying that we should throw out everything that's uh, not at all. Uh, The Lord has given us a very varied life. But, uh, and in the same way, I'm not saying that to win a game, all you need is dribbling, passing, and shooting. There are a lot of other, you do need sneakers on your feet, you know, stuff like that. But when you think about the Christian life, and particularly for an individual Christian, what would be the equivalents of dribbling, passing, and shooting. What are the basics of the Christian life? Prayer. Bible study, witnessing. Okay, good. So you have a pretty good idea of that. Now, if we look back at our big picture from the other week, we the process diagram, or the big picture, it was uh, sharing our faith and people coming to know Christ, and then getting them established in their faith, so that they become what the Bible calls disciples, followers of Christ, that they're firm in their walk with the Lord. Then equipping them, these are obviously broad brush strokes, but equipping them to do those kind of things with other people, so that they're trained in doing the ministry, not because they are a reverend or something like that. Uh, As we said, it's the sheep that are to bear the lambs, not the shepherd. And then uh, engaging in terms of a person's particular gifts and calling, because not everyone's called to... Uh, Work in the nursery, not everyone's called to be the financial director of a church or the teaching pastor of a church. There's lots of different kind of functions, gifts, calling. Some are called overseas, etc. And what we want to talk about tonight is uh, fundamentals. What are the things that a person needs if they want to move from having just received Christ down to being a disciple? And instead of just us throwing out ideas like we have, we're going to look at a number of verses on it. Well, let's look at the, the marks of a disciple. What if we were to ask Jesus, what Jesus, what would you say as a disciple? You told us to go make disciples, but what is that? What does that mean? The first passage that you've got on your page is Matthew 11:28 through 30. Common, popular, wonderful passage. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my load is light. What is it that that verse tells us we should do? Come to me all who are weary, so come to Christ. Come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me that we are to be learning from Jesus Christ, following him. Christianity is is not a religion-centered thing. It's a a Christ-centered activity centered around a person. So the first thing, that uh, one of the things that uh, Jesus said that a disciple will do is he is going to be a learner. He'll be learning from Jesus Christ. Okay, now that you know what we're doing, let me read you the second verse, see if you can get it. Matthew 10:24 and 25, a disciple is not above his teacher nor a slave above his master. It is enough for the disciple that he become as his teacher and the slave as his master. Imitate Jesus. Grow in being like him. He says, he says you don't have to do everything. You just have to be just like him. You know, don't make it more difficult than it is. Just be perfect. So, a disciple will be becoming more and more like Jesus. Third, Jesus there, John 8, 31 and 32, Jesus therefore was saying to those Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you shall know the truth, finish it for me, and the truth shall make you free or set you free. What's another thing that, that according to that, a disciple does? abides in the word, if you continue in my word, if you abide in my word, then you are truly what? Disciples, my disciples. Good, okay, Luke eight, 18, one, first verse, and you, followed by a parable. Now Jesus was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not to lose heart. That's low-hanging fruit. What's a disciple supposed to do? Pray. Ought to pray anyway. A disciple will persist in prayer. Okay, uh, Luke fourteen thirty-three. So therefore, no one of you can be my disciple who does not give up all his own possessions. That's a little tougher. Uh, but he, but you see that phrase? No one no one can. Be, whatever that is. If you don't have that, you can't be his disciple. That's pretty important, isn't it? Sacrifice. Commitment? Again, you know, he has he he makes a steward, so you sort of you give it to him and he gives back what he wants to give back to you, and then you're to give an account for it. But it's a you've changed ownership. It's a it's a surrender to him now as the property owner or as the boss. Surrenders to Christ as Lord. That's what a disciple is. We but Henry, what if we have somebody that, that uh, doesn't do that, that doesn't want to surrender to Christ as Lord? Well, he's not going to be a disciple, is he? That's got to happen if he's going to be my disciple. Luke 9:23 and 24. If anyone, Jesus said, if anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life shall lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake. He is the one who will save it. Back to the beginning. If anyone wishes to come after me, be his disciple, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily. What does a disciple need to do? Deny. Learn how to say no to you. That's not very easy, is it? You have to at least be willing though, right? To be able to not always do just what you want to do. That's one of the things we try to teach in the parenting classes. In Latin America, they're very non-directive. And so we would talk to them about putting the children to bed at a reasonable hour, like two hours before the parents go to bed, so that they can have some time to actually communicate. And so they were. The plan was they would put the children to bed at nine, and they would go to bed at eleven. They came back the next week, and I said, and I said "How's it going?" He says they're still going to bed the same time we are. And I said, "Well, why?" Well, he said, "Well, we explained it to them. They were two or three, you know, and but they didn't want to. So, like, what can you do?" So anyway, there's a two and a three-year-old in every one of us that has its own opinions about what it wants to do, and. A disciple learns to obey the Lord even when it's not in th- something that you were wanting to do. Seven, John 13, 35, By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And if you don't have love for one another, what's everyone going to know? You're not his disciple. <laughs> A disciple shows love for believers. So, so you see, this... This whole idea of disciple, it's not as though it's something just anybody can make up any definition they want. Jesus has already kind of said a lot of the things that's involved in being a disciple. You know, one of the things that comes up when you talk about uh, making disciples and stuff like that, you know one of the things that people sometimes figure out, I don't think I'm a disciple yet. And well, that's, that's good. You'd be the first one, first client in the enterprise of uh, making disciples. Eighth, John 13, 13 through 17, Jesus said, You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, the Lord and the teacher, washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you also should do as I did to you. What's he telling them they need to do? Serve one another. Need to be servants. Grow in servanthood. John 15. What's John 15 about? Abiding where? What's the figure used? The vine, the vine. John fifteen eight. By this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. How about if you don't bear any fruit? Not a disciple. Or you may be one about to bloom, just ha- in a late bloomer. But uh, we don't know yet. Bears fruit that remains. And finally, Matthew 28, 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. A disciple makes You could also do Matthew 4.19, does that ring a bell with anyone? Some of you know that one? How does that go? Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Yeah, but this person isn't a fisher of men. Ah, well then, he must not be following Jesus, because Jesus said, if you follow me, then I am going to make you a fisher of men. And Jesus wouldn't let us down on his part, so we must not have done the first part. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So I want to go now and uh, look at this il- illustration, this wheel illustration with you. Let's see if I can draw this up here. A lot of you have already are familiar with this illustration, and I'm not going to take as long as I normally do on it, but someone has, the founder of the Navigators, took these main points that we looked at. That's why this, it was over on the side, those other words, but uh, tried to summarize in a drawing... Uh, What what are the basics or the marks of a disciple, the basics of the Christian life? And the first point is that Jesus Christ is in the center. The, The center of the Christian life isn't Henry Clay, it's not you, it's not tithing, it's not the church, it's not the Bible, it's not prayer, it's not behave yourself, it's not know a lot. The center of the Christian life is Jesus Christ himself. And even though we all kind of know that, somehow that's one of those things that slips away so quickly, so easily, because we we sort of go into automatic pilot. They say, go over here. So, you know, you're just not thinking anymore, you know. Haven't you, you know, while you brush your teeth, you're not thinking, let's see. okay, now I'm going on the right bicuspid, you know, and I'm going to go up. Gently, you know, you're not. You're thinking, you're way off, because why? You've learned how to do that without thinking. And we learn the same thing with our faith. We learn to do it without thinking. Mar- same thing can happen in marriage. That uh, you're married to someone, and you love them, but it's like you live past them. You look past them, and I'm celebrating my valentine today, Wendy Clay, and I'm delighted with her, and the importance of <laughs> continuing to... To come back uh, in your marriage to be spouse centered and in your Christian life to be Christ centered. To not lose the romance and the focus on Him as a person. Uh, then the rim is us, it's the obedient Christian. If you want to just jot this down on your little drawing there, the obedient Christian. And at the bottom, you can put in action. It is a wheel, after all, and He saved us for good works. It says in Ephesians two ten, and our life is ordered around Jesus Christ. And then you have, uh, in a wheel, you have spokes. You have spokes that connect the rim to the hub. The power is all in the hub, coming. It's connected to the motor, you know. Now some people have said, well, why isn't God in there? Or or the Holy Spirit? It says, well, the Bible says no one's seen God at any time. So he's there, you just can't see him. Same thing with the Holy Spirit. The only one they ever actually saw was Jesus, so we put him there. Everyone else is there, too. You just can't see him. And uh, as far as the spokes, what are the things that connect us to Christ as our source of power? And we've got those uh, four spokes, the word, prayer, fellowship, and over here, witness. Now those are all things that we already looked at in our list of verses that Jesus himself said these are the things that characterize a disciple's life. And there's a lot you could say about each of those. One of the things you can say is that the vertical dimension has to do with our relationship to God, to the Father. The word is the fundamental spoke of the whole drawing Because everything we know about everything about the Christian life comes from the Scripture. If you took away the Word, everything else on there would disappear. Everything we know about prayer, about Jesus, about fellowship, about witnessing, uh, about obedience comes from what God has told us in the Scripture. So that's the foundational spoke. The horizontal spoke, spoke have to do with our relationship to people. Fellowship with Christians and the church and uh, Bible study and different things. And witness is encompasses more than just talking. It's our words, our actions, our life uh, before an unbelieving world. Now you've got the other little circle on your page there because the, the way we have it here is it's all a balanced picture. But let's just say we're going to look at... We have anyone named John here? How about Charles? Don't have Charles. Oh, Charles, you didn't come tonight. Well, let's talk about Charles. Charles has been coming to the church for a while now. He really has asked Christ to come into his life, and uh, to the degree he knows he loves the Lord. As far as the Bible, he's got one. His wife gave him one. And and he read a little bit, but actually he really hasn't done much with the Bible lately. And... uh, he can usually find it when he needs to take it to church, but now he doesn't even take it to church because they put the words up on the screen. And as far as prayer, he usually just prays. If pressed, he'll give the blessing before the meal, but he doesn't pray all that much. When he gets in trouble, you know, he'll he'll pray, but he hadn't been in trouble lately, so his prayer is not, not a real big spoke there. As far as witness, he feels like, well, he witnesses by his life there at work, but he would never bring it up because that might not be appropriate. And so his witness focus really little because the people that notice that he's a very nice guy, they don't realize it's because of Jesus. So Jesus doesn't get any of the credit. And so a witness is real weak there, but he really likes he really likes the church. He really likes Wednesday night suppers. He's in a, he's in a men's group that just meets to t- talk, you know, and, and that's really good. So his, because of a lot of different things, his fellowship spoke as healthy. So his wheel looks something like this. Now, if that's a wheel, what's the problem with that wheel? Would you want that kind of a wheel on your bicycle? What would be the problem of that kind of a wheel on your bicycle? And now, of course, it's spinning around this point here. Be a rough road. If it was really that way, how about how far would it get? One half of a revolution, right? Boom! You realize there are a lot of people in their Christian life that that's kind of how their Christian life goes? I'm going to get going, and it doesn't get very far. Another thing that you notice is, if you ever took a mechanical drawing, I'm sure that's tons of you, but anyway, the way you draw, draw the midpoint of any figure is you do, go halfway between the sides and halfway this way, and you see where the two lines cross, and that's the midpoint of the drawing. What's the midpoint now? What's the center of this uh, this wheel? Fellowship. What was supposed to be the center? Jesus Christ. And so sometimes when a person's lopsided in terms of the basics of the Christian life, it affects uh, their balance in their, in their heart. And what, what would happen if he moved and all of a sudden didn't have any fellowship? What would hap- perhaps happen to his Christian life? He might go into a time of crisis. Why? Because... He's trying to get everything out of just fellowship. And in a sense, Jesus Christ has been displaced. Now, again, that's that's just a teaching technique, you know, but the, like I said, all the elements that we talked about come straight from the Scripture. And what you are looking to accomplish if you share this with someone is uh, you want them to uh, help them do a little bit of self-diagnosis. In fact, the way I lead into the drawing is I'll I'll ask the person uh, how um, Charles Charles how would you uh, what have you understood so far as of what are the basics of the Christian life How would you describe the Christian life to somebody And they'll bring up a lot of these points and then I'll I'll share the drawing and some verses and then I'll share the lopsided wheel and then the last thing I'll ask is Charles How about if we draw the wheel for your life, what would it look like right now? Let me ask you right now. If you were to draw the wheel illustration for you with each spoke representing how you feel like you're doing, what would it look like? Do you have a balance in your life? Or is there an area that uh, could use a little uh, help? Who's in the center of your wheel? That's good. I mean, that asks of them a level of honesty that they're maybe not even used to having with themselves. I mean, apart from telling you, a lot of people won't even admit it to themselves, so, uh, but that, particularly with a younger audience uh, there, they don't have as much baggage as the rest of us have. <laughs> they might, you might fish something good there. I, I worked for Georgia Power Company and, and when I was in college, and they had, for peak power times in the summer, when everyone turned on their air conditioning. They, they needed more than just their fossil fuel units, of, uh, their coal turbines. And they had these Pratt and Whitney jet engines that they would normally put on a plane. And they had them bolted to a very large piece of cement so they wouldn't go anywhere. And they would have it aimed at a, at a turbine, which is a set of fans, that, so it would turn it very fast and generate electricity. And uh, they would have all of these vibration monitors all over it to see, to make sure it was balanced enough. Because if it got too much out of balance, the whole thing would fly apart, and these things would shoot everywhere like bullets and kill anybody who was nearby. So it was a pretty good motivation to keep it balanced. And if any of you have ever knocked a vein or a, a blade off of a fan, you've seen how, how unstable that thing is. When it starts to go like this. And an unbalanced life can shake itself apart. So the idea of balance is is an important one. Well, what I want us to do now, and I'm going to let uh, let you work on it this a little bit. If these are the areas, if this is the dribbling, passing, and shooting, I mean, maybe there's something that we've left out. Is there? Uh, can you think of some other area that would be as basic as these areas? I mean, there are always there are tons of things to be covered, you know, but uh, any other things that are would be for all believers, and that you would need to cover as a as a basic or a fundamental? What? Worship? Yep. Normally, in this, you would understand that as the the word and prayer centered around Christ. So you might not cover it as a separate topic. Uh, I guess giving isn't in there. So there may be other things that you'll you know that'll come up that you'll throw in there. But, frankly, most of the time in in a lot of churches I've been in, there's not any specific intentional help in these areas. Uh, People can be in many churches for ten years and not really ever have gotten clear on uh, the devotional life. There are a lot of things they don't know about the Bible, don't know how to find out either. Uh, Not praying, certainly have never led someone to Christ, don't even know what they'd say if they had a chance. And it's not because they're necessarily insincere. It's that a lot of times the church hasn't been as intentional about these things as we are about a lot of other things that we do a very good job of. I mean, there's some things that we really excel at year after year. It's, it's on the calendar. We've got the money to pay for it. It's very, very organized. It's professional. It's well done. And those are the things we have chosen to succeed in. Uh, But these would be things that we should also choose to succeed in. It doesn't mean we throw out anything else. It just means that we make sure that even if as nice as our Nikes are and as cute as we are in our shorts, if we're not teaching people to dribble and pass and shoot, we're probably not doing a very good job yet and need to improve. Now, the next thing I want to still talk about with this is in terms of assessment. Assessment. Because this is where you go from the theoretical, talking with someone in general about the Christian life and the basics of the Christian life, and how do you get from here to actually working with someone on something? And I'm going to choose to call it, it's a more current term these days, is assessment, so I'll use that term. Uh, But it's basically how do you you figure out, along with the other person, Something that would be worth working on, that uh, that's in, in line with these basic areas. And I'm going to, I'd like to break you up into some groups, and for you to each tackle one particular area. Okay, well let me tell you what we're going to do. I'm going to give you a topic. For example, I want you all to take the devotional life. And I want you to think in terms of in terms of that topic, what questions would you ask or feel free to ask a person that might help you to understand where they are in that area and help them to understand where they are in that area. Uh, so you've got the devotional life, Ben and Lindsay, the Word of God, back there, prayer. If you all take the Lordship, Christ the center, obedience, walking in the light, fellowship witness, and y'all take salvation and assurance of salvation, okay? Okay, go for it. All right, let's uh, get back together. Let's start with Tom's group on uh, devotional life. Tom, what did y'all come up with on assessment questions? Great. Well, you gave us a double for our money with the assessment, you're only trying to do diagnosis and uh, and sometimes it's better to separate diagnosis from what you would actually do to maybe help or encourage them. You don't want to be too quick on the trigger. You might scare the bird off. <laughs> you know. And so at this point, asking questions that simply try to uh, uh, see where they are and where they feel like they are, because what you're really hoping to find is, is there a felt need that they have that then you could say, well, maybe we could get together and talk about that sometime. Uh, Because, again, they haven't necessarily asked your question at that point, so giving them an answer at that moment might be be better to wait on that. And also, you touched on it, but on that particular area, uh, they may have never even heard of the term. And so you may choose in your assessment question to put the cookies on a lower shelf. And uh I I jotted down a possible one. Have you ever gotten into some kind of daily reading, Bible reading and prayer? And so you're talking about the same thing, but or you could say have you ever heard the terms like quiet time or daily devotional? The old English one is the morning watch. You know. So what do you think they're talking about when they say that? I don't know as well yeah i used to wonder about that too you know maybe we could talk about that sometime but again you're not in a rush you know you're let, trying to follow the lead discover and follow the leading of the holy spirit and uh, and see if you can be helpful but very good there's a question with the assessment there's a question that you have in your mind but then you're going to choose how you're going to bring it up with them the question i have in my mind in terms of devotional life is are they happy and successful in meeting with God each day? That's what I want to know. Now, I mean, I'm not going to ask it that way. But that's what I'm, I'm wanting to know. And if they're happy and successful in meeting with God each day, maybe they can help me. I mean, I, I'm doing okay, but I mean, they might have, they might be on to something even better. So you're always looking to be both a learner and a, a facilitator helper, depending on who God's ended, ended up putting you with. And so sometimes you can quickly turn the tables and say, would you get with me sometime and uh, and show me what you do? So it's not necessarily that you're completely assuming that uh, how things are going to end up. You're just exploring in this area. But very good, very good. Uh, the Word of God, let's see, is that Ben? Right. And again, you, as you do it, you'll learn how to do it in a way that puts, you want them to be as as at ease as possible. Uh, you don't want in any way, by the t- way you choose to ask the questions, to make them feel like you're the good cop, bad cop, the light shining right in their face. Do you memorize the Bible? No! <laughs> I guess I'm going to hell, you know. Uh, but you can put them at ease by a, a little more open-ended question uh, in terms of the Scripture, where you would maybe then would guide it to some of those specifics, but again, putting the cookies on the lower shelf at that point just as an outset question to see to what degree they feel comfortable even talking about it is, how, how do you feel that you're doing with the Bible? Is that, has that been something that's been a big part of your Christian life? And so uh, without naming too many specifics, because if you, if you get into too many specifics, how are they going to feel? Well uh, they're either doing all of those and they're going to feel proud and so we've caused them to stumble. Or they're doing pa- badly, and they're going to feel condemned, and we cause them to stumble. But in either case, they're not going to be open for our help <laughs> if we could help them. And so we ease in because we, we don't want to scare them off, but we do want to get into the subject. And then as they talk to us, and they say, well, I've enjoyed reading, but I sort of feel like there's something more. That says, well, have you, ever, have you ever been in a Bible study? And you, so you just sort of working along, if they say, oh, I, I love, I go to BSF, I'm in Bible study, I just love it, but I just wonder how I could take a next step. Have you ever thought about memorizing verses? Well, yeah, but, and then you're, then you're off. You found a particular area where there are, you see, a lot of times it's just discovering something they're already feeling, they already know, they just, no one ever asked. And that's where, if you're sweet about it, you might be able to interact with them and help them. Back in the back, y'all are uh, prayer was yours. Yep, very good. Now again, there's some people you you have to watch it because there's some people that are so sensitive that as soon as you say, okay, well let's pray, you start and I'll close. You know, this is, oh gosh, I got cornered. <laughs> so, but often and if you just hear about a person's religious background, if they were from some denominations, then you already know they don't feel comfortable praying out loud in groups unless they have a book to read it out of. And if they're from others, other kind of churches, they may very well be used to praying out loud. So, and particularly if they've been involved in a campus organization in college, stuff like that. And that will also kind of guide you on how direct you can be with your questions. Very good. Uh, what was the next one? Uh, Lordship and Christ the Center. Oh, yeah. Very good. Very good. How are you making decisions? I've got one similar to that. How important is it for a Christian to discern God's will for their life? And if you really are feeling comfy with them, uh, this is maybe a little further than I'd normally go with somebody, but uh, can you give an example of a time when you did something just because you felt God wanted you to, even though you really did not want to do it? See, Don't you see that how that's an assessment question? Trying to see where they are in terms of their understanding that I'm to do His will. Very good. Let's move on. we are run out of time. Obedience and walking in the light. Very good. Anyone anyone you feel like you have a, that kind of a relationship with that you can be accountable with? Have you ever been in an accountability group? All kind of things along that line. Good. I added one. Do you, do you feel anyone has ever really been transparent with you? you know, that turns it around. Because if they've never had anyone be transparent with them, guess what? never been transparent with anybody. I mean, you just don't go around doing that, you know. If uh, if you're not if you're not in a balanced situation, uh, normally someone's not going to do that. Fellowship. Excellent. You see, we're not looking for something really really complicated and those are the kind of things that most you want something that most people would feel comfortable answering. Then depending on what they say, then you can develop it a little bit more. Very good. Let's see, witness, how often do you put yourself in a situation where you uh, might need to share your faith? And maybe asking them to share their testimony, or if, let's just say, I'm a non-Christian, how would you lead me to Christ? Or has anyone ever helped you uh, learn how to present your faith using the Bible? Okay, last group. Salvation and assurance of salvation. Uh Uh-huh. Now, would you ask somebody that you meet at the Wednesday night supper that question? More of shrimp and grits. Do you believe in heaven and hell? Salvation, assurance of salvation. Oh, yeah. What would you think about dying? Now, that's a very good one, and it may, may be, uh, there are times when it's more, the subjects come up anyway, you know, a funeral, a tragedy, something, and and that might be a lead-in with someone. You know, what do, what do you think about dying? And that's, that's kind of comes in a different door. But that's what's nice about get, having a number of different kind of assessment questions uh, that you can sort of pick something that you... Because you have a sense in a situation, hopefully, of what would be appropriate and what would not be too much for the other person to respond to. And uh, another one might be, what would you share with me as the basic message of Christianity? So that's sort of back on the witness one. But again, uh, we'll close with this, but... Um, But on the assessment question, what I'm passing out, under each topic, I've got the question that you have in your head, and that's what's in italics, for example, on salvation, are you sure they've been born again, and do they have assurance of their salvation? That's your question in your mind, but that's not necessarily the question you're going to ask them. You're going to think what would be the, the best kind of a way to ask that they would feel comfortable answering. So as we talk about the fundamentals, this is in conclusion, as we talk about the dribbling, passing, and shooting of the Christian life, the word, prayer, fellowship, witnessing, Jesus Christ in the center, and obedience to him. Remember, it's not about guilt because it's not about works. The Christian life is about joy, and it's about delight, and it's about life. Psalm 40 says, I delight to do thy will, O my God, thy law is within my heart. And if we're not moving a person toward life and toward joy, we took a wrong turn somewhere. Don't ever think that you're going to help a person by not helping them in any of the basics because you don't want them to become legalistic. You can become even legalistic about grace. But Jesus had said, these are the meat and vegetables of the Christian life. This is dribbling, passing, and shooting. And if you don't advance here, you're not going to win any games and you're not going to be happy because I made you to do this and this is the paths I've made you to run in and delight in and to connect with God and with people. through And what a joy that we can continue to grow the rest of our life in these things but also be helpful to others around us that need help just as we need help. I mean, how do people figure these things out if no one will even bring up the subject and offer to show them at least what they've learned so far on the subject? Let's close in prayer. Lord, thank you for these six weeks we've had together, and I'm just thanking you for the many, many lives that will be touched through people in this class you've spoken to. I pray for anyone here who has a lopsided wheel, and I suppose we all do to some degree, and at different times, But help us to be humble and growing and learning to keep coming back to Jesus and to learn from you, to become more like you. And make us contagious, Lord, with this this life. And even as we stumble along, Lord, we can be helpful and kind and uh, communicative to others about the things that we've found so far that have helped us, and it might help them too. Thank you, Lord. Fill us with vision. Fill us with hope. Fill us with life. Make us contagious. Pray in Jesus. Thanks for joining us on Bringing Truth to Life. If the message has encouraged you, please subscribe and give us a review. This helps more people find our podcast. We hope you'll join us again for the next podcast of Bringing Truth to Life.